What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to the 3D Life Podcast with me, your host, Robert Fleming Jr. It's our hope and prayer that this week has been a great one for you. You are in for a great and awesome episode today as we really dive into the topic of mental health. I'm not crazy, which is a statement we often hear especially in the black and brown community when we start talking about mental health. So today, I have a very special guest that's joining me to talk about this very sensitive, but I think very pertinent topic, especially when it comes to the media and what we're seeing going on in our world today. So today's guest on the 3D Life podcast is a graduate of the Mississippi State University located in Stark, Vegas, also known as Starkville, Mississippi. Graduated with a bachelor's degree in social work and then matriculated to the University of Mississippi. We like to call the school up north, also known as Old Miss pursued a master's degree in social work with a clinical emphasis. Um, She's had the opportunity to work in a lot of different areas, seen a lot of different individuals, and I believe comes with a lot and a wealth of experience and knowledge pertaining to mental health. She served in drug and alcohol facilities and now is employed working with students on a college campus as they go through trying to sort through some of their issues and what they're dealing with. So without any further ado, wait a minute, I left off one very important detail. She is my wife and the mother of my child. I love her very, very much. So this should be a very interesting conversation, but we're going to let you all into our minds into some of the topics and the discussions that we've had. And I feel like this will be something that will be great to share with you today. So without any further ado, please help me in welcoming Miss Nakisha Fleming. How are you feeling today, Kiki? I don't know why, but I'm nervous. <laughs> I shouldn't be nervous because I'm, I'm with somebody who I consider one of my best friends, but I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm also excited to talk about something that is so important and I feel like it's becoming more relevant now. I definitely agree. I think that over the last few months, you said something in the discussion that we had earlier that really stuck out to me. Over the last few months, of course, we all know we're still experiencing the pandemic right now. And over the last few months, I believe we've been slowed down long enough to really come to grips with our mental wellness. Now, this is something that has been a buzzword, I think, for maybe the last four or five years, maybe even spanning before that. But I believe during the pandemic, a lot of individuals have slowed down long enough to really come to grips with some of the issues maybe they've been dealing with. So um, with that being said, um, we're going to just kick off this conversation today. And so I think one of the biggest misconceptions individuals have just across the board, but specifically in the black and brown community is the term mental health. So let's start there. What is mental health? Mental health, just a simple basic definition, is a person's condition with regards to their psychological and their emotional well-being. That's the basic definition. Um, A way that I like to describe it or to parallel it is your physical health, your overall physical health. So your overall physical health is your your well-being physically without any illness or ailments. And so it's the same way mentally. I think that's really a great point because... If we have high blood pressure, we go to the doctor. If we break an arm, we go to the doctor. Um, If you want it to heal properly, you do. Yeah. 
most certainly if you wanted to heal properly you're going to go get it seen about but i think one of the things that we often don't do is view our mental health as being equally as important as our physical health so with that being said just tell us a little bit about your experiences with mental health you can go back as far as you would like to but just really give us just some insight on your experiences and some of the things you've done with mental health if you would have told me a freshman in undergrad at Mississippi State University that I was going to now be a therapist, I probably would not have believed you <laughs> because I just, it was not something that was a desire or a passion of mine. Yes, I was that individual who people came to and talked to and felt like they could pour their heart out to, but I never saw myself as being, you know, a counselor or a therapist. As I grew older and, you know, became more aware of my characteristics of my strengths, then I realized that therapy was something that I wanted to go into. But the first experience of mental health that comes to mind was being a freshman in college and getting that phone call was an afternoon that my mom had, you know, had an incident where she witnessed and saw someone get shot and killed. And that began her journey with mental health. And because she's my mother, she's connected to me. Well, I was affected by it too as well. Um, I remember her needing to go to therapy and the, the place that she worked at, not wanting to support that and not wanting to offer resources so that she could go to therapy. Um, cause she worked then at a, at a gas station, which, did not offer, you know, insurance at the time. And so sometimes when you don't have the resources to do something, you can kind of put things off than you should. Um, eventually she was able to go to therapy and begin her journey. And I remember just having conversations with her and, you know, being around and seeing someone getting shot and killed that can bring some, you know, maybe nightmares and flashbacks. And so she had uh, a condition where it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And I remember in those conversations with her, even now would say things like, well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not crazy. And it's like, I would say, mom, no one's saying that you're crazy. It's just that you had to go and get help for something that happened to you. And a lot of times we can't control what happened to us, but we can't control how we deal with it and cope with it. And also in my own uh, mental health is me when I was a sophomore in college. I remember just losing a lot of loved ones, you know, a lot of dealing with a lot of grief and loss in that sense. And I remember just going through what I call kind of situational depression. I would go to classes, go to my room, work when I needed to go to work. And that was it. And I remember it would get like later on in the night and I would have these crying spells. And I even knew, and my friends knew that something was wrong. And I remember my best friend um, during college coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, you don't seem like yourself. She didn't say, you girl, you crazy. But she said, you just don't seem like yourself. And even I knew that I wasn't myself because I'm naturally, you know, outgoing, bubbly, can be talkative. And during that time, I was not very talkative at all. I didn't want to be around a lot of people. And so we both decided that as a student, you can go to the Kelson Center without having to pay or worry about filing your insurance. It was a resource for students. And so I took advantage of it, went to the Kelson Center. Well, I called. Then you had to call and set an appointment. 
I called, set an appointment, and joined a grief support group. And it was probably one of the best things that I ever did in my life. And every time I think about being a counselor and a therapist now, I think about that experience that I had, you know, the experience with my mother and experience with myself. Had I not gone to therapy, it probably would have took me longer. Maybe I would have dealt with depression longer. But as I began to go and talk about my emotions and my feelings and be with other people who were experiencing the same thing that I was, as that happened, I began to feel emotionally a lot better. And that way, my overall psychological well-being became healthy again prior to going to counseling. You said something that really stuck out to me in regards to the friend that you had that brought attention to the differences in your behavior. And that really got me thinking about the importance of advocacy, because I believe that we have a lot of individuals in our communities that may suffer with mental health disorders or maybe mental health illnesses Mm -hmm. and people who are close to you who love you can recognize the differences but it's just not enough to recognize that there's something different Mm -hmm. I think that it really shows more love and compassion not just to say that I noticed that something's wrong but also to become an advocate for them And to point them in the right direction and to encourage them to go get their self-evaluated so that they can stay mentally strong and mentally healthy. Right. Because if you saw somebody walking around with a broke leg, would you not try to direct them to the doctor? Or if you saw somebody who you knew may have had diabetes or somebody who had high blood pressure and you saw this individual day after day, would you not try to get them to a doctor so that they could get themselves seen about I think that that was a powerful, powerful story. And I wanted to just go back and add some emphasis to that, that it's just not enough to point it out, but to also um, say that it's important for us to become advocates for individuals in our communities who we see may have some mental health disorders or illnesses. With that being said, I want to transition to a different question. You know, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know that (laughs) I am a preacher. Uh I am a church boy, born, raised, love church, love God. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I ain't going to preach to y'all today. But one one of the things I think has become a hot button topic over the last maybe three or four years is the importance of the church's role in regards to mental health. Mm -hmm. And for years and years, I believe that a lot of other people share the same experience as me that when we have hardships and difficulties and struggles, we go to the church and we go to the altar, rightfully so, and we lay down our cares on the altar, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. But I heard my friend say one time, and it really stuck with me, that some deliverance may start on the altar, but end on the couch. Mm. And that's something that really stood out to me because we think that our deliverance in a spiritual setting is the only thing that is needed when it comes to getting our mental freedom. Right. When sometimes it may not just be crying on the altar that is going to give you your mental wholeness again. Right. And sometimes you have to take another step Mm -hmm. to ensure that you are mentally well. And so my question would be, why do you think there's such a stigma regarding mental health in the church? Oh my goodness. This is almost like a loaded question because There's a difference between 
the church overall people you look at church is so culturistic there's different cultures with even in a church or the church of the people and so when you go into the black community in the church then that brings up a whole nother set of stigma and stereotypes a lot of it is you know we have the stigma if i just pray if i pray hard enough if i go to church enough if I listen to the pastor long enough, then I will be okay. And eventually God will just take this away from me. When I even worked in addiction, I even heard people say that, hey, you know, I'm just believing God to just wake me up one day and this addiction is taken from me. A lot of what they do is it takes us out of having the responsibility and the accountability. We want Jesus to do the work or we want God to do the work for us. We don't want to be held responsible for the challenge or the issue because it falls on us. We know when something is wrong with us. You know when you have a sprained arm. Don't nobody have to tell you, hey, your arm is looking a little crooked. You know when something is wrong or out of place. And so we use the church and, and I... I love being in the house of God. I love being there. I love worship. I love the gathering of believers. Man, I love a good preacher or teacher who can give a good word also because I love to hear God's word and I love the knowledge and the revelation that comes from it. But also I do know that there are things that I am responsible and accountable for. And that's what it comes down to with with these stigmas regarding church also the one stigma not want to be held you know accountable or responsible you know an, another one is if i do go to therapy within church i'm not trusting god enough or i'm not believing god enough and that's a lie i maybe believe god so good that god is saying hey you 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 need to talk to somebody you know what i'm saying what if, when you look in the Bible, if we, if we want to talk about the church, when you look in the Bible, the people who had challenges and issues, even from needing demons cast out their children, children being called dead, to even needing, you know, physical healing, such as the blind man, the woman with the issue of blood. When you look in the Bible, those who had challenges and circumstances that was beyond them, they went to Jesus for help. They went. The woman with the issue of blood, she had paid all her money. Right. She had solved several physicians. And right. she said, I am at my wit's end. I don't know what else to do. But right. I heard about a man. Come on. That if I touch him, I, I just believe that if I touch him, that I'll be made whole. Right. A lot of us, we have this belief that. I'm just going to sit here and pray. I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to trust God, believe God. I'm going I'm to let the pastor lay hands on me. And then we realize that the issue is still there. I'm still having these thoughts. I'm still having these problems. I'm still having these circumstances where I'm not mentally whole and I need help. So a lot of us don't want to take responsibility, accountability. Feel like they, if they go get help, they're not trusting God enough. And then I say lastly is... Maybe it's not even talked about within the church because pastors have to remember they are the gatekeepers of the congregation. I want to put a pin right there because you said something that stirred up the preacher inside of me. And that was 
the point that you made about them going to Jesus. And then my mind went to the impotent man mm-hmm. that was at the pool called Bethesda. Yes. Jesus that told example. that man <laughs> to take up his bed and walk. And to walk. Yes. What what does that mean for us? There was a level of effort he had to put mm-hmm. into his own deliverance and his own miracle. Right. And so I think that, like you said, people are sitting around waiting. Okay, Jesus is going to touch my mind and he's going to heal me. Yes, he's able to. Mm-hmm. But the Bible that I read uh-huh. says that faith without works is it's dead. dead. Right. And so I think that that is something that is so pivotal mm-hmm. to point out. Go ahead. I was going to ask you a question with the, you said the man who was at the what now? At the pool. At the pool. Is that the pool that would stir up once a year? Yep. And you had to jump in, the first person to jump in and get the yep. healing? Yep. And right before that, Jesus told him to take up his bed his walk. I think Jesus had asked him, like, maybe a question. And I'm just paraphrasing. Would I be made whole? Yeah. Do you, basically, do you want to be Do you want to be fixed up? Do you want to be made whole? Right. Do you want your issue to be taken care of? Exactly. And basically, he said, every time I try to get in, right. someone gets in before me. And right. that's what we do even as the church. We say, you know, I'm trying to do this. And God has given us every resource. Come on. He's given us every. God, we, if we're in tune with God, we have a relationship with him. We And we know the voice of God. God is a father that's not going to just lead you blindly. Yeah. He's not going to let you walk throughout life and be broken. Yeah. We don't have to walk with a limb. We had a savior who did that and we don't have to walk with our limb. Yeah. We can walk perfectly and wholly. Yeah. And so the man at that pool had so many excuses as to why. Right. And Jesus is like, I'm not asking you all that. Yeah. I'm asking you, do you want this taken care of? Exactly. And something that I think that was so important in that story as well is that this man had been there for years mm-hmm. and no doubt he had learned how to live with his disability. Comfortable. Right. And so I think that that's something too that I've seen from time to time keep people from getting their mental wholeness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have been mentally in a state for so long, you just accept it as being normal. Right. You just accept it as being a part of your life, not realizing that there is a state of wholeness that God desires for you, right. but it's going to take a certain amount of effort for you to pick up your own bed right. and to start walking. Right the there Bible, you see accountability and responsibility. Yes, most certainly. I'm and holding you accountable what you said. You said you want to be made whole. Okay, now you got to do something. You have responsible. Right, right. Romans 12 and 2. We quote it all the time. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing mm-hmm. of your mind. Mm-hmm. And so this means that it may not be just one time, which is why I'm so grateful for therapy because usually you don't just have one session. You have a few sessions to work out some of the things that you may be dealing with, but it said by the renewing of your mind, which means that it may start on the altar, Mm -hmm. but there may be some other steps you need to take to get your full wholeness. Right. Look, and this right here is something that and I got to stop talking because you're my guest. But, <laughs> but this is something that I thought about as well, that when it comes to physical therapy, we will have to go to physical therapy. Oh, Look, yeah. I broke my finger back in eighth grade and I had to have surgery on it. And then after it was in the splint for a certain amount of time in order to get functioning back in my hand, I had to go to physical therapy. Right. Physical therapy was painful. Physical therapy required a lot of effort and energy on my end, but it was needed in order for me to get the full functioning back in my hand. And so I think that, you know, just for people in general, in order for you to get the full functioning back in your mind, 
it may require some therapy. Now, right. I'm going to transition just a little bit more. We talked about the church. Right. And now I want to talk about the black community just as a whole. And I know we may have some people who may be believers, may not be believers. Right. And so I want to talk about the stigma of mental health in regards to the black community as well. And just kind of share your thoughts on that. A lot of those stigmas, you know, in the black home, you know, I grew up in a black home, of course. Hello. I'm I'm a mocha chocolate. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I grew up in a black home uh, with a single a single parent black home. And so a lot of those stigmas is, you know, what you said at the beginning of this. I'm not crazy. They see the word mental health, which ain't got nothing to do. It's not mental illness. It's mental health. Right. They see that word and they say, I'm not crazy. So if I do go to therapy, right. that means I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But if I don't go to therapy, then I'm good. Right. Right. And then another thing is, I know I heard this growing up. I don't know if anybody else, and, and I'm not just old school, old school. I don't think my mom is... You know, she's in her late forties and so she's we just she's just not up there, but what happens in this house stays in this house. And it may not be that direct sentence that is said, but it mm-hmm. may be that's the connotation or that's the assumption right, that right. what happens in this house stays in this house. What goes on in this house, we keep it this is our business. Right. Not everyone needs to know what goes on. And so what happens is some some privacies are painful. And they're too hard to keep and they're not worth keeping because it causes more detriment to the individual physically, not physically. Well, some, I do believe that there are some physical illnesses or Mm -hmm. conditions that are connected to our mental conditions. I really firmly believe that. Right. Right. But sometimes we want to hold on to secrets or, you know, within the home and it causes more damage as we get older, we become adults because now I'm dealing with the kid issues that I tried so hard to keep secret because mm-hmm. mom and daddy or just mama or just daddy told me that don't nobody need to know what goes on behind these doors. Right. Nobody. Yeah. Even if I can tell someone that could help us, the whole family, don't right. nobody need to know. So is that, and then it's the being strong, mm-hmm. you know, being strong. You, I think like this is more so seen in the African-American women and the men. For the women, if you're a single mother, you know, you be strong. You do what you got to do. You take, work two or three jobs. That's what I saw. And you do what you got to do to take care of everything. Right. You know, you don't want to show any signs of vulnerability or weakness. Uh For a man, the whole society, you know, specifically for a black man, the whole society is placed on you. You will get your hands dirty. You know, go out, be tough. Ah, muscle. Don't yeah, cry. Don't, don't cry. cry. You know, a yeah. little boy, bo- little boy fall. You a big boy, little girl fall. Oh, come here, let me hold you. And so, there's already been a stereotype for the man to be put on and to not show any signs of emotions that would make them be called weak, or you know that word, you know, a, a sissy. You know, I definitely agree, and it's something that you said. That I feel like was was so powerful. And that was sometimes it's healthier for us to let go than to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And some of us, you know, as you said earlier, have these secrets and these things that we've been holding on to for years. But really, your true liberation comes from letting go and possibly going to see a therapist to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I've heard it several times over from multiple different sources. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I would even challenge and say you're crazy if you don't go to therapy right. and you need to go to therapy, right. 
that to me, that's crazy. To me, it's like, hey, as I said before, I keep mm-hmm. using this as an example, but I believe it's so common. I believe it really brings it home to us. If you had a broken bone, it would be crazy not to go to the doctor, especially you when you have know, It's not going to heal properly and it could break again. It could. And it I'm could. not a doctor, but come on now. <laughs> You know. Right, right. I, I think I think that's something that is. It, I think that's something that's pivotal. Just the fact that we need to really change the stigma in our community to go and to reach out for help. Right. There are trained professionals who go to school. My wife is one of them. Have gone to right. school, who derive from your community. So understand your cultural background that derive maybe from your theological ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, that also believe the same thing that you believe. That can provide these services to help you. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Then I want to backtrack just a little bit to address the church just one more time. But for people who are in the black community, how can you become more aware of the resources that are near you? And you know what? That's such a good question. I feel like as a black woman who is educated with a master's degree, who got educated in the degree of or in the college of, you know, therapy or clinical social work, I may have more of a leeway than some. Right. A lot of us are in impoverished communities, so yeah. there's no way for anybody to tell us about these resources that are out there. It may just start with asking around. Sometimes you can ask a doctor, a medical doctor for a referral. Really, these people who are in these impoverished communities, most of the time they're going to these churches. They're part of these church organizations. And so what better place to have an area of resources, mental health resources, than in the church. Yeah, I totally it, agree. It would be a great idea if churches had a bulletin, maybe just a bulletin board, or an area where you, people can pick up pamphlets of phone numbers they can call, hotlines they can call. Nowadays, there's there's uh, resources or there's organizations you can text, and someone would text you back. You know, things are becoming so savvy and tangible. Yes, <laughs> right. tangible. And it was even for, before the pandemic happened. And now during the pandemic, you can do virtual therapy. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all because that's what I do. I keep, keep it 100. It, I keep it 100. <laughs> Let me go back to my professional 100%. <laughs> but I want to be honest. And I'm a therapist that go to therapy. And is and why? How can I? I ask myself this: How can I tell someone, encourage someone to go to therapy, but when I need to go, or just having that resource, I'm hesitant about going. Right. You shouldn't even want to come to me for therapy if I haven't been to therapy at least once. You right. shouldn't even want to come to me. Yeah. Because that means I'm not maybe as I guess engulfed and what when I'm giving out, I haven't had that experience. So how am I going to know how, who I'm treating is feeling. And so, but I feel like the church is such a pivotal point for people to get the resource of mental health. And I'm going to say this, you can take it how they want to take it. A lot of times pastors don't want to be the resource you know, and I'm not saying that they don't want to counsel people, but they don't want their congregation or their church members to go to somebody for help. They want them to come to them. But what if you're not equipped to deal with what they got for you to deal with? Yeah. What if it is a severe mental illness? Right. And you ain't went to nobody's college. Screw me. <laughs> you ain't went to nobody's college. You don't have anybody's degree, certification, training 
to deal with this severe mental illness, then what you gonna do? And a lot of times we be rebuking and casting out stuff that say we saying it's a demon, and it's not. It's a chemical imbalance. Now I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but we saying it's something that we calling a potato a tomato, and that's not that's not what it is. Right. So. Right. I think I think that that is something that is important to note as well. Just the importance of the church being a resource hub for individuals because they come there for their spiritual healing. Right. But if they get there and they have something that meant that is mentally going on, I think that that's also a great opportunity, like you said earlier, to have pamphlets, to have resources mm-hmm. there so that they can point their constituents mm-hmm. to a resource that is going to ensure that holistic deliverance, that holistic health. Right. I think that that is something that's very important. And you said something, too, that was really good, too, that a lot of clergy, not unless they've been to school now, they do have some divinity schools that specifically um, point like out. Right. They, they, they talk about counseling and whatnot. But if you're not training that, then sometimes you may not necessarily know where to point an individual mm-hmm. or even you may not even be aware of exercises or activities that can help an individual process some trauma that they've had right. that they've had since they were kids. Right. And so I think that it's really important to use your resources. And as you said before, and I'll say this too, I think that that's really important too. If you don't know anybody, go out and start building relationships with people in your community. So when they come to you, you can point them in the right direction. I think that's such a great idea. You don't don't have to just send them out the door blind. Mm -hmm. Go and talk to mental health professionals in your community so that when you have an individual that comes to you and it may seem as if it's something out of your control, you can pass them along and say, hey, I know somebody great that you can sit down and talk to exactly this location yes i'm gonna call them right now yes here's their card or here's their phone number you can call them today and see about setting up you know an appointment now if somebody do help you do that uh whoever listened to this here uh podcast (laughs) now somebody's helping you with a resource it takes time putting those resources together yeah People have, there have been people who came to me saying, hey, I would like to go to counseling. I live in this area. And I'm saying, hey, I've checked out the resources in that area or have lived in that area. This is a place you can go. This is the location. This is the phone number. And so if someone's helping you with that, take advantage of that help. Because there's going to come a time where you severely need it. And they don't help you get you set up. And you come back to them. And I'm just going to tell you about me. I'm not going to keep on feeding you the same thing and you turning it down. So take advantage of the help because mental health can be expensive. It, It takes a lot, you know. Most certainly. And this right here is something I thought was very important that we left off. Use the Internet. Right. Everybody has these little computers in your hand and you use it to search. Take selfies and post them on Facebook and Instagram. That exactly. ain't going to help your mental health. I'm sorry. I'm just getting a little passionate, you know. But, but I mean, it's true. We have these cell phones and we have all of the data in our hands, literally. Right. To find individuals who can help us with our mental state. And I think that that is something that is most of the time underutilized, especially for people who really need to use these resources. Let me say something. Let me say something that I think is important. It does not have to be severe 
in order for you to go to therapy. Most of the time we wait until the house is burning down and then we want to call the fireman to put the fire out. When in reality, if we have a burning candle and we see that it's starting as a small fire, you can put that fire out with a cup of water Mm -hmm. rather than having to get a hydrant. Fire extinguisher. Exactly. And I think that that is something that is super, super important. We don't feel as though it's worthy of going to counseling until we're having nervous breakdowns. Right. No. And then we get to a nervous breakdown. We want people to fix us right then. Exactly. This didn't happen right then. It didn't happen overnight. It's going to take time for it to happen. When I... When I worked in a drug and alcohol treatment facility, I would have individuals who, you know, have been on drugs for a amount of years and have lost everything. Family members don't want to talk to them, won't have anything to do with them. And there's some people who experience that with their severe mental illness. And so I tell the I would tell these individuals, look, it's gonna take us time to build you all the way up to a house in a car yeah. or your own place in a car. Right. You know, first we gotta get you stable. Mentally, You know, if you've done drugs and most people who do drugs, sometimes they self-medicate to treat a mental illness. So we got to take care of the addiction right. and we got to take care of your mental illness. Right. So once we get you in a stable place, then we can start looking for maybe some employment. Then right. you can start saving. It takes a while to save to get a, a place to stay in, in, a, in a car. And so same way it's not going to happen overnight, but don't wait till it get bad. Right. Go ahead if you realize that I've been experiencing some anxiety, especially during this pandemic. This is everybody's not handling this well. You know, everybody's not in a good space mentally yeah. during this pandemic. Right. And so if you feel yourself experiencing a level of anxiety, it doesn't mean you have a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder. It may be due to the circumstances and the situations that we're in, you know, i.e., COVID 19. That I need to talk to somebody just to help get myself through this time. Yeah, um, and and before we before we go, I wanted to just briefly, I, I'll share my experience, and I want you to share yours as well, because we may have some people who are listening to this podcast, and they may not know exactly what therapy looks like or what to expect mm-hmm. when going to therapy. That's a good one. Because. I think, you know, and and I'll share my experience. I've been to therapy before and it was one of, I think, the best experiences for me because it really dismantled all of the negative stereotypes people paint when it comes to therapy. And so just, you know, just to give you a little bit of backdrop on my experience, I believe I may have been in my sophomore year of college and I was there experiencing you know not like i said earlier nothing severe Mm -hmm. where i was losing my mind but just some levels of stress you know due to the challenges of being in college and whatnot i was in this class that was called facilitative skills development we had a project we could either write a paper or go to therapy and so in my head i'm like well i'd rather not write a paper but then also saw this as a good opportunity to explore what therapy was like because Mm -hmm. i am a firm believer that I'm not going to point somebody in a direction of something that I have not tried for myself. And I've tried therapy. My wife has tried therapy. And and, and we are believers in therapy because we've been there and we've tried it. And we see how it works and how we can better your life and how we can change your life. So I went in and initially I was kind of nervous about it because it was somebody sitting on the other side of the room. And, you know, it just really started off as a conversation. 
just really having somebody there to listen to me that is there to intentionally listen to what I was saying was something that was amazing for me. And it wasn't a thing of them listening to try to see that I'm crazy or trying to point out all of the deficiencies in my life. It was nothing like that. It was really just us having a conversation about some of the challenges that I'm experiencing and then exploring ways and tactics and strategies to turn some of those challenges into assets. And so I think that that was something that was great for me and the level of accountability that came with it was life changing because they can ask me, hey, how was the past week in regard to X, Y and Z? And if I told them the week before I was going to be doing something and then I came in and, and didn't do that, mm-hmm. then they could hold me accountable for that. Right. And so that was my experience. It was great. It ended great. And it really helped me process a lot of the stuff that I was feeling during that time and get me through what I felt like was a tough semester. So that was my experience. Just kind of share some of yours. Let people in on your experiences mm-hmm. with therapy, just so people know what to expect if they so choose to seek services. Um, actually here recently I went back to therapy I started going back to therapy before the pandemic so prior to the pandemic I went in for one session and I um I called and I set an appointment and I think that first call is what people have to get over the the initial first call yeah and I remember setting the appointment and thinking on the phone talking to a lady and just you know crying and there was some prior issues that I basically had suppressed and have done well, I thought. And here come these issues, you know, coming back up again. And so the initial visit that I went to the therapy, I'm going to be honest, I remember parking my car like a, a parking lot over because I was like, what if somebody see my car and they drive by? And um, I remember walking, hurry up, trying to walk in the building. And I get in there, and it was probably one of the best experience I felt so light leaving, knowing that I had this individual who was trained, who I had already prior talked to on the phone to kind of let them know why I felt the need to come to therapy. Right. It wasn't nothing, you know, severe, but I feel like the issues that I was dealing with were affecting, you know, parts of my life, and I needed to talk about them, talk through them, process them, so they weren't affected in a big way. Yeah, And so I've been doing therapy probably like every other week since the pandemic. And now I'm doing what they call telehealth virtual therapy. And my therapist, she contacted me via phone. She sent me these little, you know, I guess these little messages, like automated messages saying, hey, your appointment is for this day, this time. Reply back this to confirm. Reply back this to cancel. Reply back this to reschedule. And so I always, you know, of course I confirm and then... When it's time for our session, she'll send me a link, you know, via email or via, you know, text. I click on that link and it sends me to a confidential space virtually. And we have our session for one hour and we just do it that way during the pandemic. And, you know, some, some days, some weeks I'm like, Hey, I don't really need it, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep up with it and go. And so we may not, I may not think I don't need it. And we get in there and we talk and I realize I do need it. I want you to talk more about the confidentiality Mm -hmm. of counseling because I think that sometimes we think that if we go, everybody's going to know my business. Right. And so just speak a little bit about that as a counselor. As a counselor, we are held to ethical standards. Um, Part of that, those ethical standards is confidentiality. 
And so myself as a therapist, if someone comes to me, I have not only ethically, I, I cannot disclose any information, but also legally, I cannot disclose the information unless, because there are limitations to confidentiality. If you are threatening to hurt yourself or if you are threatening to hurt someone else, those are the limitations where I have to break that confidentiality. Right. So if you're in any, any imminent danger of hurting yourself or hurting someone else, then I have to report that to the appropriate superiors. And that's only because of safety. You know, not only do we want you to get help and seek out therapy, but we also want you and any anybody else to be safe. So that's that's what confidentiality is. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's been an amazing conversation. I've enjoyed it. I really enjoyed just kind of picking her brain. And the reason I brought her in, not not just because she was my wife, but because she's knowledgeable about mental health. And I believe that a lot of people in our community, especially during the time of pandemic, you said something earlier and I'll say it again, that the pandemic has slowed us down mm-hmm. long enough to have to come to grips with our mental state. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can get to ripping and running and use our business as a distraction from the wellness of our minds and so we go to work some of us go to church some of us take care of kids we mm-hmm. work on projects and really in the ripping and running of life we leave out the fact that we need to pay attention to our mental wellness mm-hmm. and so i think that the pandemic has really given us an opportunity to of course you know grow in some areas but then also given us the opportunity to have time to work on ourselves as well so go ahead. I was I was thinking. I think I was talking to you yesterday. Yesterday about this, we were um we were talking about you know the same issue about mental mental health in the church, and I I remember telling you I said why is it that an individual who can have a plethora of money still want to kill themselves? Mm-hmm. Money cannot fix a breakdown in our mental health. And so that's why seeking out help before it gets worse is so very important. And a lot of times people say, well, hey, when this happened, I'll just shake it off. I'll be good. And a lot of times we want to use like our friends or our, our companions. Well, I can just talk to them. Well, why not talk to somebody who's a neutral party who don't know you probably will never see them outside the office probably never will see them again once you finish going to therapy. Why not use that individual instead of leaning on, you know, a family member or a friend? Because sometimes I've realized even before going back to therapy that sometimes my family, my best friends, my, my mom, I said, sometimes they can be biased parties and they may look at me and say, girl, what you got to be stressed out about? What you going to therapy for? You don't need to go to therapy. You, you got it made. Yeah. And that may not be true. It may be something that's going on that I know is going on. Right. And I need to go. So. Most certainly. And before before we wrap up and get out of here, I wanted to make sure that we pointed out the difference between mental health mm-hmm. and mental illness. Right. Because I think that many times when we hear the word mental health, we think schizophrenia, we think depression, we think anxiety. Mm-hmm. And mental health is not mental illness, but if you don't take care of your mental health in the same way, if you don't take care of yourself physically, 
you can get sick. Right. And so a mental illness is just simply being mentally sick or being yeah. mentally ill. Yeah. But like they're a breakdown not, in your mental health. But they're not synonymous to one another. No. But they are related to one another. Right. And one can lead to the next if it's not properly taken care of. Exactly. And so um, that's something that that I wanted to um, bring to the forefront. But I want to say I do I do have one more last important question. And and I ask my guests this and because I do I do it over the podcast so that y'all can hold them accountable, (laughs) even though I feel like I do know what she says. Granted, y'all, she lived with me, so she can't get away from it for too long. But (laughs) if given the opportunity to ask again, will you please come back to the 3D Life podcast? I would be honored to. I'm even honored now that you asked me and I, I, I'm honored and privileged and highly esteemed and I would love to come back. You hear it, folks. She said that she'll be back to the show. This has been another episode on the 3D Life Podcast with me, your host, Robert Fleming Jr. I want to just give just a plug here that if you want to find my wife on social media, on Facebook, her name is Nakisha Fleming, and on Instagram, she is virtuouswoman93, virtuouswoman93. So if you have any questions or anything, I'm sure that she'll be okay with you reaching out to her. She also has a blog that she does. At least, Every other week or okay. to once a month basis. Got you. And that blog is, is entitled Living Life. Life on purpose. She'll post it on Facebook, but if you want to go directly to the website, it is ingrayson93.wordpress.com. And you can go there to look at her current blogs. And also, she has a lot of great content that she did a while back that I think it'll be great to go and check some of that information out. We want to say thank you so much for listening in to this week's podcast. If this was something that was impactful for you or added value to your life, I ask you to do one thing, and that is to share it with somebody that you know. Post it on your social media. Let us know that you're listening in. If you have any questions or if you have any specific topics you want us to address, please reach out to me via social media or if you have my number shoot me a text we'll be sure to try to get that on the podcast we appreciate you if you have not subscribed go ahead and subscribe too will you do me that favor thank you i appreciate it we love you and we hope that the rest of this week is the best of this week thank you for listening to the 3d life podcast and we'll be back with some more content until then peace peace and blessings